to the Sick Marxism Podcast, a lefty-run and operated podcast discussing various hobby topics in regards to Age of Sigmar and 40K from a leftist perspective. We are dedicated to making the hobby as inclusive as possible for everybody and eliminating any of the right-wing chuds on the way. If you've come across this podcast and are unfamiliar with either 40K, Age of Sigmar, or even leftist ideology, here's the breakdown. Both Warhammer 40K and Age of Sigmar are tabletop games created by UK company Games Workshop. Uh, they produce both the stories and the miniatures of the games. They have a monopoly on this universe that they've created. Warhammer 40k takes place in the far future of the 42nd millennium, where humanity, now run by a fascist government, uh, finds itself besieged at all sides by traitors and Xenos. Age of Sigmar, on the other hand, takes place in, like, in this fantasy universe uh, and across various realms spanning a multiverse where the forces of order are trying to prevent chaos and death itself from uh, taking over and wrecking havoc. Uh, for those familiar with leftist ideology, we're interested in creating social justice through the abolition of capitalism itself, creating gender, racial, and class equality by seizing the means of production from those with wealth and power. Uh, my name is Sam. Uh, today I am joined by Danny and Alex. Uh, this is all made possible thanks to Rich. Uh, give a sh brief shout out to Rich. Thank you so much. And today's podcast is going to be, why the hell are we making this podcast? But before we get on to the main topic today, I would just like the, the boys here, Danny and Alex, to tell a little bit about themselves, about the hobby, how they got interested, uh, maybe what they're working on right now. Uh, and Danny, let's start with you. Yeah, so uh, just to answer the biggest question about why we made this podcast, it's uh, obviously to make fat stacks. I'm looking to just make tons of money off of this and to be a total shill and just sell out for socialism. No, but <laughs> uh, so I'm Danny. You can find me Confight. I'm on most social media as Confight. Pretty much every single game I do, I'm playing as Confight. I have um, a YouTube channel where I talk about history and also... I've been trying to do some more leftist stuff, um, doing things like that, and then I also have a Twitter where I just basically shitpost, and then Reddit, which I also just shitpost on and moderate a couple of subs, which are used for shitposting, so it's, I pretty much just sit around and, uh, yeah, I do, I do stuff. I'm a history major at, uh, FSU, so that's what I'm trying to do now, and I'm trying to get my degree and, uh, work my way up in life. That's me. And then as far as I, uh... As I got into 40k, I was, I'm, I'm very tangentially related to the community. I've been trying to get more involved in it. I've been very involved with like the lore and like looking into stuff like that and watching um, videos on YouTube and looking at some of the wiki, looking at, um, looking into trying to read some of the books. I just haven't had the time, unfortunately. But I've been, I got into it mostly just because of uh, my interest in Magic: The Gathering, and I'm an avid player of that game. Of course, that has its own problem with. Uh, right-wingers inside of it, and there's a, a couple characters that I think that we could uh, talk about on the show, maybe at another time, but definitely just um, geek culture in general has been kind of beset by 
right-wing ideologues, mostly because of just the fact that it's very easy to get people riled up about something that they consider their their childhood, or where people who do critiques of maybe uh, Warhammer not being as inclusive or as uh, interesting usually take it as instead of as an attack, instead of as a critique to try to better the franchise as a personal attack, and then people will capitalize off of that and bring people further right, so... That's kind of my take on uh, the whole thing. So if Alex wants to go and talk, we can go. Yeah, well, I don't really know how I, I can possibly follow that. But hi, I'm Alex. I'm just another Failsun student. Um, I'm what Mark Fisher calls a post-lexic uh, anhedonist. So that's why I collect Slanesh, but don't really enjoy it because I always procrastinate from painting and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, you know, getting poor on a hobby that I'm constantly avoiding, which is in itself a way of avoiding urgent work that I need to do for my course. Um, I think we all empathize with that little spiral. Um, we're, all, we're all procrastinators, yeah. We, every single one of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so this podcast is an escape from my hobby, which is an escape from my life, which is itself kind of a hobby. But yes, so that's like uh, inception that's levels me. of depth. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta yeah, go yeah, deeper basically. into escapism. <laughs> yeah, um, and I we got to, into We have to go deeper. Hobby. Okay. Right. Okay. So, uh, so obviously, with uh, nerd culture, as uh, Danny was bringing up, you know, uh, first they came for Star Wars, and I <laughs> shit post against, I, I, I shit post against uh, women and minorities. Uh, then they came for Marvel films, and then I shit post against uh, women and minorities. Uh, and now we're and now we're co- the SJW is us. We are finally coming for Warhammer, which I think it's about time, really. Uh, <laughs> what what do we think it is that makes Warhammer? Uh, stick out a little bit more than others because I mean obviously all these ones like you have the Snyder fanboys you have the D- Star Wars fanboys I mean like as we saw with The Last Jedi with the death threats against Kathleen Kennedy against Ryan Johnson no but uh, it's just the whole culture what do we feel about that kind of makes Warhammer both 40k and Age of Sigmar kind of makes it stick out that it really needs a real kick in the leftist pants well, for one, obviously, uh, we know that the character of Donald J. Trump is actually the God Emperor, so we have to. I think that's kind of problematic in, in terms of the entire franchise of just. Well, I mean, I, I say that jokingly, but like people's association with. Um, it's right. kind of funny people's we- association and praise of Donald Trump as the God Emperor, not really realizing like the fact that the God Emperor is like this fascist ideologue, and like not realizing how. How bad that makes him look because you're not really supposed to like think the God Emperor is this great dude, mm. but right and yeah, like he's vegetating the... on his throne. So I mean, it's an accurate comparison. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, yeah. The Emperor didn't have McDonald's. <laughs> he, he needs Psyker McDonald's. <laughs> oh God, we need to sacrifice a thousand cows a day to keep Donald Trump alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the amount of like uh, poultry and uh, bovine sacrifices has quadrupled under the presidency. The the deep state has been covering these numbers up, and we we don't know them yet. But uh, once he's out of office, or maybe he'll be god emperor forever. God, I'm I'm not looking forward to 2020 at all. 2019 god. feels like it's gonna kill me. God, if, if Trump like if he like tries to do some shit where like he's like, folks, I'm just gonna be a president for life. I, there's so much so I'm gonna do. If he like p- tries to pull like an Erdogan or something, and just like makes himself president after he loses the election or something, that would be. Uh, I think that'd be very darkly funny in the sense because like everyone was like 
all all the uh, people on the right were like, "Oh man, Obama's gonna try to seize power and uh, stay in office afterwards." Or even better, there's a conspiracy theory that Obama actually the reason why Trump hasn't gotten anything done is it's not because he's incompetent; it's because Obama controls the deep state and he still controls the government. So therefore, hmm. Trump hasn't gotten anything done. Yeah. So like that that's also a conspiracy theory, but like everyone I just want to see people's reaction when if Trump does something like that and like just PC people try to justify when like two years earlier they're like it's un American for uh, Obama to take over the country, but then like Trump does it and it's just like it's great. It's we love it. We love it. Uh yeah, yeah, li- yeah, liberals were go- are going to totally lose their mind and not be able to comprehend uh what well, like the scale of the shittery that's going to happen when he's just going to to say like, no, the the election results they were rigged, they were fake. Like he's going to use like the they, Russia. He's going to say Russia rigged it against him. <laughs> oh god. No, yeah, it, it's just the same thing. Like well, we had the the whole fake news thing. He's just going to turn against them because yeah, the media has no idea how to handle to all like, the like liberal people who say that Sanders is a uh, a Russian agent, and then he's going to oh, use that oh. as evidence that. Sanders gets elected as because of Putin's help. That will be the uh, ultimate coming together of uh, the resistance and Trump. He'll become part of the Sanders resistance. I'm excited okay. for Vice President Peter Dow, uh, in okay. my opinion. <laughs> oh, you got to verify every congressional <laughs> bill. <laughs> it's verified. Oh, man. Ver- verified. It's like, yeah, a- uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, you know, she's trying to push in the Great New de- Deal. And Vice President Peter Dow's on the floor. He's like, not ver- verified. It's like, it's just like a big fucking like, X coming across like. <laughs> We we live in fucking idiocracy where we have like now flat screen TVs in the Congress. Um, oh man, no. <laughs> the only the only music that's allowed is smooth jazz. Everything else is banned. You have to yeah. have to listen to yeah. the Dow. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, fucking, um, he's coming. Like all all the Clinton songs are playing during the Clinton campaign. Uh, so okay, I, th- well, I think I think what we're saying <laughs> is we're we're now rallying behind Beto O'Rourke and punk rock bands is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, we're getting to more uh, general uh, politics. Uh, it, it's kind of a little bit hard to not to in this uh, hellscape that we live in. Uh, you just think about everything, like all the parodies in uh, Warhammer and stuff. But uh, Danny, I think you're right. Yeah, we we all saw that image of God Emperor Donald Trump, like being spread across the internet uh, in 2016. The fucking nightmare world that that was. So we all we all saw that uh, image of God Emperor Donald Trump, which is just amazing that like these people who claim to know Warhammer so well, it's like it, like the God Emperor actually had to get out of his seat and do things. Like like the God Emperor is a fascist, but like at least he killed orcs or something. Like what's the Cheeto Man done? Like the the only thing that he's destroyed lately is just like uh, that McDonald's that he ordered from for the football team. Oh God. I mean, it's a weird thing because, like, if you think about it, Donald Trump is, like, the exact antithesis of the God Emperor because, like, the God Emperor, like, in in his life was, like, before he, like, grows to the throne and everything and he did, like, a lot of, like, he was, like, just, like, this clandestine figure that was, like, amazing and the idea of, um, it was, like, the idea of the God Emperor is something that's been corrupted and kind of made into something that's very evil and very, like, fascist and totalitarian and, like, religiously oriented, rather than the person of the God Emperor is, like, this this noble figure, where in reality, like, with, with Trump, it's almost the opposite, where, like, Trump, the actual person, is just, like, 
a fucking scumbag who doesn't he, he basically only worships power like he'll he has no morals he only cares about like go, like he follows where power is he'll say whatever but um and, and big strong muscly men he loves that too yeah but like it's like the idea of trump like with um the reason why people liked him in 2016 was mostly just because he wanted he represented fighting against the establishment. He represented everything that the God Emperor really like was, like being like this hero to unite humanity. But uh, in reality, right. it was just and, and, yeah. In in the vision that he purported, I mean, like as ine- like as ineloquently as fucking possible with his weird <laughs> yeah. staccato language. But he, but the narrative of forty k. I mean, like it, it's impossible to turn the forty k universe into a leftist bent because. The, the universe of 40K, as we described, it's humanity being besieged at all sides, is like what the fascist like fantasy is. Yeah. That's how fascists like w- actually view the world is, you know, oh, the, the sacred white race is like being seen by black people, women, transgender people. Like they think like they think that they're they don't have the power. They think that they're the underdogs in this grand arch narrative of the world of the universe. And it's all been bending toward – it's now finally turning their ways. Like think of Alas the Poor White Man, you know, who's been oppressed by these black people, these women. And and 40K like makes that a reality, like where they can escape that. And they can just like be like, oh, yeah, orcs are black people and Slanesh is transgender people, which th- that's that, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> oh, about God. the representation and of Slanesh and uh, transgenderism. And I think that just that is a good point where um, the, the setting itself being kind of inherently a right-wing fantasy – but that that's not a comment on the text itself, because obviously the text can be making a comment on that. Um, and that's kind of where you get the whole, obviously, the, the punk roots of, of 40k being like a 80s satire. With, you know, there's that whole uh, classic thing about the, um, uh, what's his name, Mag, Mag something Thraka. Uh, Mag, 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 Mag Thraka, yeah, Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, boss. But And this kind of goes back to the parade float as well of Trump. At what point is is just reproducing something in all its like fetishization at what point is that like the pageantry of satire or is it just the pageantry of fascism like and i think that's kind of an ever-present issue with 40k and why it's quite easily uh, assimilated into like chud iconography it's it's like it's I, like I think the idea of leftist critiques of it but well, yeah, I think I think the whole thing can be broadly construed as like a criticism of fascism and how like it kind of how it doesn't really work, and even like, it doesn't value human life or anything. Not really. Yeah, no. it only it only cares about instant, it, it, just endless war and endless killing. Just because you know it's an endless struggle that can never never be done. You can never have like one side win. It's never going to be like yeah. that. It's an existential struggle, and mm. I feel yeah. like that's a good criticism of fascism because that's really what you know. It, yeah, fascism itself is so fucking tacky. Like, it's just so gaudy. It's just so broad and stupidly like a big hammer, which like in a fantasy setting, like in a false setting like 40K, you know, big giant men with pauldrons who are eight feet tall and their pinkies the size of your head. Like, that's a fun fantasy sort of. It's a power fantasy sort of stuff. But Yeah, it's a Warhammer 40 kitsch. Yeah, but like, uh, like everyone always points to... Uh, the, the the rallies at Nuremberg sort of stuff, the Lenny Riefenstahl films, they're like, oh, what great films they are. Look at the iconography that she's using. Uh, look at the camera angles she's using. But it's it's just all so crass. It's so crass mm-hmm. and it's so blunt. There's just so much of it. 
there's no real style to it. And it just like, and obviously Riefenstahl had the advantage of having the entire German government budget behind it. And as like, it's been reported before that like, there weren't really that numbers. They basically got the whole party to do it. Like, but to give this idea of power, to give this power fantasy, like the, the, Nuremberg itself was a power fantasy, much like how the Space Marines kind of become a power fantasy for young men sort of stuff. Yeah, I think that one of the things that people don't really comment on when they comment on fascism is, like, we have this idea of, like, the Germans being really superior and really great, but, like, in reality, they lost that war because they were of... They suck. Yeah, because of Hitler's <laughs> incompetence and, like, this whole idea of, oh, well, you know, Germans made um, jet technology... They had this fetishization of, like, Wunder weapons, Wunderwaffe, of things that we're going to build, like, one tank and it's going to win the entire war. You know, if you're going to win a war of annihilation like World War II was, you need to have a solid base from which to start from, a solid industrial base. And the Germans just could not do that because they could not get over this perfectionism this megalomania you know if you look at the bismarck it fired what one salvo and then it was unable to um accurately get on target and and that's where you see like you know you have varaboos online always talking about how great this stuff was but they're only yeah the varaboos yeah that's a wonderful term it is a great term i i I love it uh shit varaboos say is a great subreddit but it's just like this idea that you you basically use like video games as an analog for World War Two. So many do. That's really where they won the war because they weren't going to waste their technology on stuff that was even like, you know, maybe it worked kinda, but they weren't going to waste it on it if it wasn't reliable and if it wasn't um, crew friendly and if it wasn't going to if they couldn't produce it in big numbers. And the Germans were too up their own ass to really think about that, especially Hitler himself. Right. And that's like why the T-34, the Russian tank, which was just like the most basic bare bones tank, never broke down and worked. But like so much of this comes from like the, Ver- the Veraboos. I'm going to have to use that from now on. <laughs> it, com- it comes from American Nazis just having this uh, post-war revisionism because the United States never actually – dealt with. I had an introspective conversation about how many people inside the United States supported Nazi Germany until we were like, oh, fuck, you know, Japan jo- jo- attacked us and we were just going to fuck up Japan. And then Nazi Germany declared war on us. And that's just uh, the horrors of war because it was never been addressed. And then we just kind of uh, take that pastiche of like uh, German superiority or like the greater technology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's been applied to so many fictional work universes so like star wars is just world war ii in space and yeah. then we got warhammer 40k which is just taking the exact same german style i mean look at the steel legion look at the death core sort of stuff and it makes it and you just have to look at the artwork i mean like even though it's making like horrifying and thing it still makes it look cool well yeah it's it's like it's like a childlike fantasy almost where you just have this well, I think even Warhammer is a good example of almost satirizing the military-industrial complex and, like, all well, the crazy shit that it produces and kind of how in order to keep Doesn't these, work. Yeah, well, yeah, in order to keep wars going, you have to have crazy amounts of money and just make crazy bigger, make your tanks bigger, bigger, and bigger, and eventually you just get to a point of stagnation where, like, none of your shit works and everything is just... It's so gaudy and so impractical. Like, it's the idea of... Um, hanging off of a Lehman Roos with a sword trying to beat the shit out of orcs and stuff. It's that thing. 
where it's just mm. it's so impractical that it gets to a point where you can't really do much with war and war has basically just become just a self-parody. I mean, especially at this point in, in our history, like if you look at since the 1980s and just military spent, well, military spending since really after World War II when, uh, yeah, <laughs> after- when it t- turned into the largest thing we've ever spent oh, ever. Yeah. yeah with I, especially like people were saying that the largest, like, I think people don't realize how leftist we were during World War II. Like, FDR was going to do a new Bill of Rights and everything, and he was going to do all this stuff, but Truman kind of went semi... He was more of, like, the classical lib, and then all of a sudden you have the really far-shift right with Eisenhower. Yeah. I mean, also, like, the rich were literally willing to, like, pay off generals to lead a rebellion against him. Like, like we were this close to basically, like... A, Having a, like coup, a coup, yeah. A coup in the United government because, like, the rich were just like, oh, no, we're not going to give up our shit. And which is now we're just kind of like, now that we're proposing, like, even, like, vaguely socialist ideas. Just kind of like, oh, can we just have a $15 minimum wage? And we're like, can we just have free health care or something? Like, the rich are basically like, oh, well, this is communism. This is fascism. That sort of stuff. Just because they've never felt want or need anywhere in their life and like anything even remotely threatening them is just like the end times for them like exactly it's um they're they're not i think one of the things that the yeah and then uh, they ushered in the new deal which was aos so all good yeah (laughs) yeah i i think one of the things with um if you go back to like the 80s you have uh basically the whole idea of neoliberalism supposing to supposed to be the counter to socialism it's like aha we can have it both ways where the rich uh get to do all this stuff and then also uh, poor people you know you guys like uh rights and stuff so we'll give you like some rights but as long as it doesn't interfere with capital and then yeah, when we're, you... we're not going to send death squads against you but uh you know you, you could work yourself up you gotta do that pull yourself by your bootstraps uh, fantasy well yeah but then when all of a sudden the economy fell and then people realized oh wait this system is just boom and bust boom and bust it's not always going to be up like if you read um i was reading of a critique of someone of orwell uh written in like 84 and they were talking about they made some interesting points but also their conclusion was just kind of like had orwell read like milton freeman he would have become a capitalist and i was like no no they were basically saying like the whole dichotomy between orwell and his um critique of socialism through like 1984 and animal farm which was more about authoritarianism it would i mean and i agree with them it's i'm I'm a democratic socialist so yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't critique communism like as a system or Marx. It's a critique of like how the transition of power happened in the Soviet Union. That's what it's a critique of. Well, yeah, he's, he, Orwell was kind of a utopian guy who believed that had the means of production been democratically um, allocated, assigned. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I just found that kind of funny because like she, it was so close to being like a good essay but just like at the end it was like well (laughs) you just fell on its face yeah it was just like oh man you could tell i I looked at when it was written i was like yeah this was the 80s before uh before 2008 you could definitely tell where it's like yeah that that does it's not a good look but it It does not work yeah yeah uh alex and i were actually having this talk about it i mean we're as we were talking about like the satirization of something it's kind of in a capitalist society it's like how do you how do we even satire something because it's like i mean like you because like if you spoon feed it to them they're gonna they're gonna hate you they're gonna resent you they're gonna say like oh you're thinking it's dumb uh but then 
And then there's a satirization when you go so over the top, like the classic example would be Verhoeven's as Starship Troopers, oh, yeah. which is which which is mocking the original Starship Troopers because Robert Heinlein was a fascist. He he got kicked out of the Navy and then he decided, oh, the Navy slash the military is actually the best way of forming it, even though he got kicked out after like a few months or a few weeks or whatever. So and he's like, oh, this is the best way to run everything. Service guarantee citizenship. Yeah. And it's like, how much more obvious can you be with uh, with your satire? It's, but people still get it. They they either look at it as like, oh, cool, cool humans kill bug movie with bad action, or a so bad that it's funny kind of look toward of idea is how I've seen a lot of people interpret it. They don't even see the fascism inside of it. Uh, like in the 40K, which was like way, way more explicit, like way more on the nose about how fascist it was, like how shitty the space marines were, how shitty the Imperium was in like the Rogue Trader days. I mean, even all the way up to third edition. Uh, before, like, we get to uh, the Tau days, we're just kind of getting to this thing where, where the satire is, like, so on the nose and, like, they're still not getting it. And the problem is when satire has to work with capitalism, which ultimately it does because Games Workshop is a company it, – it's impossible. Yeah, it, it's impossible to sustain. Like, like good satire can accept uh, – it can work in a vacuum. You know, if you just, like, write, like, one comic strip or a book or something and you're just kind of writing for yourself. But – in order to continue capitalism, because the, the needs of capitalism it needs more and more and more, it can never stop growing. Well, it's like once like satire can only grow so much, uh, and then it basically becomes it, all satire eventually becomes the thing that it was satirizing. Uh, if you look at like the original Fallout, which is a critique of a uh, of post Cold War politics, um, that sort of stuff, and now we have uh, Fallout seventy six, which is just kind of like, oh hey, you should just nuke your friends, sort of stuff, instead of this horrifying vision of a nuclear apocalypse and now we're in this uh version of warhammer uh 40k specifically in the eighth edition which is kind of like this grand triumphant triumphant return of the chosen son with gilliman coming back and having sort of uh, gilliman uh, as, as this kind of golden sort of not quite god figure but you know what i mean like he is yeah and and they've totally redefined gilliman from even how he was in the heresy books like Gilliman in the heresy books is is practically Caesar. I mean, he's like a total fascist and taking over Ultramar, that sort of stuff. People are just like, oh, he's just like a good accounting. He's good with bureaucracy, that sort of stuff. It's like, no, he's just a good general. <laughs> he's just a, he's just a good general. You know, he just uh, took over like the largest realm of uh, Imperium planets ever. And he just happens to rule it with his uh, super soldiers who obey all his commands. And uh uh, he has a bureaucracy kind of as a front, but uh, ultimately his word is God because he'll cut you with the emperor's sword. Well, yeah, that's almost like a critique of uh, how we view the the worship of the military in the U.S., especially post 9-11, just with like the idea that people were talking about, well, you know, Trump is bad, but the generals know what they're doing and they're in charge. And it's like, oh, like Mad Dog Mattis, yeah. I mean, Mad Mattis is better than Petraeus, let's be real. Petraeus is... Uh, uh, I, I can't say enough bad things about Petraeus, but at least Mattis, like, has... He's a warhawk, and I really don't think that he should be where he is, but he's at the very least decent at, uh, like, uh, allocating stuff and, like, organization at, to, to a certain extent. But, like, Petraeus... Uh, let's, not, uh, let's not get into military defensivism right here. Oh, I know. I'm not saying that, like... I'm not saying... I'm not jerking off Mad Dog Mattis. I'm saying that, like... At the very least, he's not Petraeus, which is not a very high bar. <laughs> he's he's not gonna he's not gonna say we're gonna go into Iraq. Uh, well, actually, 
Now that I think about uh, it, he did say something similar about Syria, so I, I, I even take all that back. So like, I, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, he he, he was all gung ho about Syria. He's like, you know, we gotta stop it. Uh, uh, we can't let Assad win. Uh, he's just an intervention. He's an imperialist. Like he's ultimately imperialist. Like, well, they can't get at, a- at, at his heart. The, the the that's the main thing prob that's the crux of the issue with the military nowadays especially here in America we have no one to fight so we make up enemies this is the whole um this is why when I was I was so pissed off after New Zealand and the New Zealand shooting just everyone was like oh man how could we have seen this coming in this Islamophobia and then all of a sudden um you have people like Ben Shapiro out there being like my heart goes out to people and I was like oh fuck you you're the guy who who was propagating all this rhetoric about how Muslims are how Palestinians aren't even people and how they love living in the dirt and stuff like that and you're making it seem like the Palestinians want to take over the rightful land which is Egypt and like er, Egypt, Israel, but like, um, you know, and then all of a sudden you cry your crocodile tears after, uh, you know, people after, after your people. Yeah. After, after people take your crazy ideology to its its extent, because you're just a grifter and you, you don't care. Yeah. There's, there's a real contradiction in terms between the free market of ideas, which they say they believe in, uh, which implies that you know ideas are capital, and then this whole other thing where oh you know free speech just you know it, it's just a bit of offence it doesn't matter at, at all you know my words aren't hurting anyone when if you take their logic to the you know the, the logical um, extremes the ideas that they're putting out are investments of hate which then pay off well yeah they pay off in violence but I think that it's all about they want to have a state monopoly on violence that when 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 people uh get so fed up with the state being so incompetent and they take it into their own hands somehow that's seen as barbaric and terrible but right that's the you, wrong way to do it <laughs> that that's the wrong way to eliminate minorities yeah but if george bush wants to go invade iraq you know we, we got to support him because these muslims are taking somehow we got to defend our freedom because it ended up in Iraq and Afghanistan somehow. But like, it just, it's just saddening because we were at such a point where we thought the cold war was over, but now we start this whole other cold war where now it's East versus West and Islam versus Christianity. And we're going, we're regressing back to basically the middle ages because we, the military industrial complex needs something to fight. And it's been successful. Anti-Muslim propaganda is the most successful Propaganda, I would say, almost in the history of just ever. We we've been able to turn an entire country against um, a group uh, of people. Yeah, race, yeah. yeah. Post post Iraq, post nine eleven, post Iraq wars, that sort of stuff, and even stuff that was anti the Iraq war, like even stuff made by like liberal media, it ultimately portrayed uh, Middle Eastern people or Muslim people, Arab people. It portrays them as monsters. It portrays them as barbarians. It's like, okay, it's like the reason why the Iraq war was a mistake is because like, oh, these guys are savages and there's no way we can contain them. So therefore it was a mistake to do Iraq. They weren't like – it wasn't like an anti-imperialism bent that they were looking at. It was just kind of like, oh, they're they're too insane to control. They're too unhinged and stuff and just kind of – just portraying them as monsters basically like this fascist ideology of – this fascist – uh, portrayal of an entire race of people that was consumed by uh, obviously purported by both the conservative media and the liberal media, even though the liberal media would obviously take would you know uh, scoff that they were possibly Islamophobic, 
but the portrayals of the way the way they do it like hollywood movies i forget somebody did a study and like over the past like century of hollywood films there's only been like 12 positive portrayals of arab men yeah. of every people in general and i'm pretty sure half of those were like lawrence of arabia so it's just like uh not even like yeah and it's just so it's like oh how does this happen that sort of stuff it's like because we created we purposely created it like this Hey, but there's an Aladdin movie coming out. It's all going to be fine, you know. <laughs> it, it'll fix everything. The Aladdin movie. Will Smith is going to be a... Uh... Will Smith is my favorite Arabic man. I That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. it's like, uh, almost going back to Warhammer, where we like to think of... The U.S. Army in general likes to think that we can... We have this army set up in a way to fight the Soviet Union and fight, you know, an actual army... Much like in Warhammer 40k, where it's like you have two armies on either side, and it's like, all right, we're going to go fight the demons of chaos, and we're going to do that. It's going to be, there's no civilians around, or if there are, who cares? We're just going to blow everything up and do wars of annihilation. But, of course, everyone everyone else has learned from Vietnam that the way to fight the U.S. Army is rather simple. You just do an insurgency, and the U.S. Army cannot, you cannot, we like to go in and think like we're, we're, doing things like World War II, like we're, we're taking out the means of production and their facilities, and then we decimate all their armies, and then we win, you know? We, we walk into the street victorious, and we're hailed as heroes, but when you make their the entire enemy army the entire populace, then all of a sudden, the U.S., in order to win, the U.S. has to take out every single person in the populace. This is why you yeah. get like psychopaths like Chris Kyle going out and saying, I killed every single... Uh, military aged man and like uh, people like um, oh what what was his name the guy who's um, what the Blackwater guys uh, yeah well Blackwater but also um, who is the envoy to Venezuela who like worked with the Contras um, Elliot oh Elliot Abrams Elliot Abrams correct yeah Elliot Elliot Abrams being like well the reason why we lost in Iraq is because we didn't kill enough uh, uh, Sunnis or didn't kill enough Shias it was just like it doesn't they don't understand that you can't fight an insurgency like that, and they keep trying to like make this thing because the well, army. They don't want to have to restructure the army in such a it, way in order to be able to well, be effective. Well, I, but, but the thing is, like, we don't want. I mean, we don't want them to be effective, especially coming from like, a leftist Ben, because they're just killing. They're just killing Arab people. Well, well, from from the right perspective, they don't want to be effective either, because like Northrop Grumman and Raytheon are making shit tons of money. They don't care how much how many people die or how many. How effective yeah. these wars are, so long as they keep them coming. Makes, That's why, right? The 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 war industrial complex, like that Eisenhower said, it's like, oh, you know, he poo pooed it when he helped create it in the first place, sort of stuff. And just going taking it back to 40k with like these uh, conflicts, it's like, and you're able to, but the thing in order to make this world so extreme with the satirization, the the enemy is just like so insanely murderous. You know, orcs who like. You've created this race that like wants to do nothing but fight, and they only get stronger when they fight. The Tyranids, who have like a, like a, only want to feast and consume, have no hyper intelligence other than eat, consume, produce. Uh, yeah, you got Damon, and obviously like Chaos Damons, like you said. And in that kind of world, that's where like these right wingers get this logic that they can. Um, that's like, oh, it's okay if civilians die because you know it's for a greater good. It's for the it's like for the greater cause of humanity. And there's just kind of this defense of humanity in 40k where it's like just because they're humanity even though they're awful and they're terrible 
like they're worth protecting, they're worth saving, they're worth defending, sort of stuff. Well, yeah, it's it's you know we got to kill the brown people. They're not like us, so therefore we have to kill them. And even going back to New Zealand, it's like the it's the logical conclusion of when the people think that the you the army is not doing a good enough job, they take it to their own hands and say, well, these mo- like um oh what was the guy's name? It was Brent Brent Tarrant. Uh, by the way, I read his fucking manifesto. I'm trying to make a video. Yeah, I'm trying to make a video on it because it's fucking like just grammatically and like from like a a just a piece of writing perspective, it's like dog shit. Like it's like the one of the worst pieces of writing I've ever seen. Period. And it's just you it's just so I can go on and on about it, but like it's it's very much like the you can see the ideas that have been portrayed over the last 20 years and all the coming idea- to fruition yeah, in it's all, this manifesto. Yeah, it's all coming to fruition. It's all um, – all the propaganda has been bought hook, line, and sinker and taken as fact. And, you know, it's gotten so far out of control. It's like when Marx was – I think um, when I was reading the Communist Manifesto, I, I read a it, – it's like um, a necromancer who's – spells have gotten out of his control it's gotten to the point where the people who are making the propaganda have realized oh shit we can't control this and now people are taking matters into their own hands and they can't stop it and they're not going to be able to and it's their problem i'm not gonna um and it's like the same thing with uh chelsea clinton when she was like crying over new zealand and it's like (laughs) well your your fucking your fucking family did this i I don't care about you you've been talking about this for years you're not the victim here like and i I think that girl had every right to yell at her and good for her i was happy about that yeah that that's a whole other episode of liberals and uh civility that sort of stuff um so i mean we've talked a lot about we've talked a lot about warhammer especially 40k which is kind of like the big obvious one because it's obviously fascist that thing but we also have age of sigmar which has kind of come been born from the decimation of warhammer fantasy which is just like we want to talk about fascist kind of like or like racist underpinnings like <laughs> like Araby, Nippon, Cathay. Uh, well, um, just at least yeah. On, on, yeah, on that subject, I do find it interesting that uh, at least if you look at kind of the new factions that were released for Age of Sigmar compared to, um, uh, to well uh, to Warhammer Fantasy, you have the shift from doing like this cultural pastiche of existing sort of. Um, uh, historical kind of almost ethnic archetypes where you had you know the the clearly Mongolian ogres you've got the the things that almost didn't get uh, miniatures apart from a few very racist ones like Google pygmies um, official Warhammer <laughs> miniatures and they are literally <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw <laughs> we, we've all seen those in in miniature form um, so yeah but like uh, it 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 almost in a weird way the the most kind of agreeable portrayals of other cultures are when they're being completely othered like the idea of the lizard men who are basically aztecs but they are like anthropomorphic dinosaurs but because that's so uh i would say divorced from any kind of cultural context of like nobody calls native um uh, Native Americans, uh, the, the indigenous of, of sort of South America, nobody calls them lizards as a slur. It's not like it's a, a racist caricature. You're just smashing together some existing uh, uh, cultural kind of um, aesthetic with uh, an unrelated fancy one. So in a weird way, I don't think that is is inherently 
off as as I'll say, you know, the the pygmies and and the other ones. But I don't know. Um, at least with the the new stuff in Age of Sigma, they are making an effort to do shit which is unmoored from those existing, you know, existing culture plus a, a, a fancy kind of sprinkling in there. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's definitely kind of becoming a more. Yeah, Age of Sigmar kind of feels like the ultimate liberalization of fantasy, and it's kind of the the taking of like Norse mythology, uh, combining it with like their old existing stuff, and just trying to retrofitting the miniatures that they already have into this new narrative. I think it's I think it's interesting. It's definitely a better direction for the hobby, but uh, some like still most of like the characters the, the heroes uh the stormcast eternals are still predominant like i've been reading soul wars lately the majority of the characters are still white men um that it, uh, it still doesn't g games workshop as a whole doesn't seem too interested in the story of people of color uh, obviously like trying to portray the cultures that we've developed in this reality towards there was not going to work and that would probably come off as tasteless that sort of stuff but they like they seem interested in only like the bare minimum amount of representation, like the kind of representation we see in the Marvel movies, like how we yeah. had uh, Tessa, Tessa Thompson's character of Valkyrie. It's like it's like Disney's like one executive is like, oh, she's a she's a little bisexual. We're not going to show it in the movie though, uh, but but you but you believe me, you bisexuals. Uh, she's definitely bisexual. Trust me, trust me. All the bullshit behind. Uh... Uh, Captain Marvel. It's like just just like this whole idea of like just like the neoliberal like we have a woman here by our movie. We need to get kids to go watch uh, Captain Marvel. It's like while or like poor underprivileged children to go watch Captain Marvel so that they can have someone to look up to. How about we like you know give them food or uh, a good education or healthcare instead of giving going to see uh, another get- Marvel movie. <laughs> G- g- giving the largest me- media conglomerate like thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, yeah. And also the th- and also the thing is like of, of <laughs> maybe a controversial take, but kind of fuck Brie Larson. She she like retweeted that stuff and she was like, oh, we could do uh, all these kids. It's like you got paid the most more than anyone's ever gotten for a solo movie. Buy the tickets your fucking self. You've been recorded like on record. Like we know you got like sixteen million dollars for them. What's like a hundred thousand dollars coming from that? That's like pocket change for you. She's like, oh, donate to this great cause. And it's just like, oh, she's just got these like, Rondian politics and stuff that it's like, oh, we got to save up for these kids. Well, like, 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 like I said, it's like the neoliberalization of everything where it's like, oh, you guys like representation. Well, here's we got a woman for you. And it's like, well, if you're just going to do that and then still just do whatever the hell you want and still be like, well, the free market is great. Then it's not you're not going to be able to replace socialism. You're not going to be able to say socialism is a dead ideology because you're just you're just putting a facade on the crumbling system and yeah it's yeah. bread and cir- bread, bread and circuses without the bread yeah yeah we're, we're yeah we're at the pure stage of just circuses of late stage capitalism like because yeah. like like the power of the internet's just been able to like put the circus circus uh, media system on overdrive and we're able to be entertained like 24 7 but people are going without food they're still we're still strip mining other countries of their wealth uh we're still murdering people just to give northrop grumman like another extra billion dollars and we're just kind of this hellscape one, one of my friend's favorite takes uh was uh he was talking about his deployment to um oh where was it 
I think it was it was somewhere in the Arabian Peninsula, but he was like, yeah, so I basically uh, used the money I got from bombing uh, children in Syria to go buy a fursuit, so I think that's the biggest representation of capitalism just in the history of ever <laughs> just mm. just just like we're not using like all this money to go like make huge empires we're using it to uh buy fursuits and uh yeah we're, we're, yeah, we're <laughs> using it using it to distract ourselves from the the horror shitscape. yeah yeah yep yeah and uh like okay so like sigmar like the models and stuff like all the human models like uh like we talked about how the models like some of the corn mortals are being paid like with like brown or like actually like darker shades other than like pale british white but they're not making them characters they're not having they have no agency of themselves uh if we do get like a character they're still it's like a white woman like that's as progressive as games workshop seems to be willing to do with uh with age of sigmar well i mean if you have any other character that's non-white it's automatically white genocide don't you know yeah, yeah, you yeah, know exactly. Yeah, Age of Sigmar wants. Yeah, Games Workshop wants to commit ages white genocide, um, but but there is a good side to Age of Sigmar. Like we'll definitely be able to level more critiques at this at a different time. But at least from my personal anecdotal evidence, it seems that it's been bringing in more women. Like uh, the all the time, like I was playing 40k. I, I was playing. I played fourth edition, fifth edition, left sixth edition. And I kind of, uh, you know, didn't play 7th edition. Then I came back for 8th edition because I was like, all right, they heard they simplified it. Uh, I mean, 8th edition has not brought in women or people of color to it in my local area. Age of Sigmar, on the other hand, has brought in a ton of women because, like, there's actually, like, bare minimum representation. It's still not good representation. And it's still not, like, f actually feminist because, I mean, any, any feminism that's not anti-capitalist is obviously not feminism. So... We're, like, like we can get to that another time, but uh, not even like a – it's like the barest bones of like a faux neoliberal feminism that Age of Sigmar is like starting to adopt. It's like starting to get there. And the uh, Games Workshop is going to look at, like look at this in the same way that Disney did where they're kind of like, oh, uh, black people and women, they also have money. They also have um, you know labor that we can exploit. They also have dollars that we can exploit. And eventually – Probably we're gonna get more models and stuff. We get more models of women. We got more models of uh, people of color, but they're not taking centerfold. And I think that's why, like, the important thing coming to the crux of this podcast is like why we need to have these discussions. Like, okay, we're slowly but surely getting there. But you know, if you have like Severina Rain come out, like you have like, well, not without naming names, like half of the Warhammer YouTube channels absolutely lose their shit of kind of like. Oh, she looks like a boy. Uh, she's not really. How do you know she's a woman without Fleur de Lises on her boobs? Uh, her tits aren't like triple G's. How do I know that she's not female? Yeah, it's like oh, they're forcing they're forcing this diversity out there. It's like even it's like oh, how dare they give her one book by her like her own thing after we've gotten Cyphus Kane, Gaunt's Ghost, Eisenhorn. Oh, I thought you literally meant like a book on the model, like implying that she can read. I thought that's what you meant. <laughs> It's a straw man. Implying <laughs> she's just not making food in the kitchen or something. Uh, let, let's not invent chud. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, but I mean, th this is literally like not even that um, exaggerated chud talking point where if they released a, a model of a woman who was like pouring over a scroll or something, that would be like, oh, this, this isn't historically accurate. And then you, obviously 
this always comes up, isn't it? Oh, oh it, it's oh, inaccurate yeah. that there's uh, women in this army. It's like, but they're fighting space orcs. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we live in a place where people turn half their parts to robots. We have a dead psychic corpse that guides ships halfway across like billions and billions of light years of miles. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, but this lady uh, becoming a commissar and it's like she's allowed to <laughs> it's like women can now shoot their guardsmen in the back of the head, too. <laughs> it's Whoa, you know, that's. That's not historically accurate. Don't you know that women are always meant to be nurturing and uh, mothers in Western civilization? The the pinnacle of society. Uh, God, I've been watching like way too much Jordan Peterson and it's just rotten my fucking brain. We're, yeah, we're going to have to okay. we're, we're, we're going to have to put like a hard cap on his name for this podcast's total lifespan to like three times. <laughs> he like, shall who shall not be named. Well, no, we have to give him like some like name like Lobster Boy. Or as I like to think of it, Indiana Peterson and the Kingdom of the Insult Skull. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Indiana Peterson in the fear of multiple gen the non gender binary. Uh <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, but it's so weird. It's like these these chuds, these exact same chuds who've been complaining about well they want one thing is they want uh they want trench code guardsmen. And they want they've wanted female model heads like that's been something that they've actually called for and like you just have to check the forums like oh not everyone's wanted that it's like no that's been a huge thing that people have wanted they've been wanting female guardsmen heads because like like whenever these chuds defend the Imperium they're like oh you know uh, it may be evil but it's a it's an equal opportunity offender right it's that that's what the, that's what they say about this uh it's like oh you know but both men and women die equally for the imperium so so like yeah the imperium may be a little bit bad but or maybe racist and stuff but it's an equal opportunity offender just like south park you know so i don't know why you're getting uh your knickers in a in a bunch well yeah i think that like one of the biggest things is like people people view hate change and people think that like adding diversity is somehow going to make it uh something different different or like even if it made it some, even if it was different, what if it's better? People don't like to like to ask that question because people are just content to kind of sit and wallow in, in whatever. Uh, because it's the it's people people take it very personally whenever you just change any little stupid little thing with um, their escapism with their with their escape mechanism. They see it as as a way to escape out of reality, and then all of a sudden, if you change anything from that, you could very well be changing the entire thing. And that maybe what if I don't like it? What if I'm not escape it? Right. Not it's, escaping it, out of it. It's removing the no girls sign from your clubhouse. It's 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 when your mom asks you. It's like oh, let your little sister play, and like they're just, these these kids are like forever in that mindset of just kind of like no, I'm not allowed to. I mean, like obviously it's because it's the patriarchal society and misogyny is just rampant and stuff. But like that's how these guys react. They act, they react like children. They're just like, you can't play with my G.I. Joe. My G.I. Joe's not a doll. It's an action figure. That kind of bullshit. Like, both both sides of, the, like, the argument, like, on the left and the right in this country, I use those terms very loosely, quote-unquote, because they're all, they're both, they're both, liberals and, and conservatives, they're both center-right. I mean, like we said before, neoliberalism is literally just, you know, you put, uh, you say you have a woman and then be like, aha, I'm kind of progressive, but we're still yeah. going to exploit Chinese slave children, so it doesn't matter, but, like, yeah. It's it's the left and the right in this country. I made it so that capitalism as a topic like that is the basis for our society is not negotiable. It's not we can't change that because that's worked because it's been good. But they don't want to have people start to say, well, what if we had it better? What if it was better? Because it's already been good. And you see people say, oh, it's you're ungrateful if you don't believe that capitalism has been good for you. 
Well, okay, there's there's a big debate between whether capitalism has been good or not. I would give a hard no to that. <laughs> it, it's been it's been good for some people. Oh no, what I'm saying is is like um for at least from like the the neoliberal and conservative perspective, it's the idea that capitalism is unquestionable. It, it's this linear idea of history where this is the end point of every no matter what happened we it, would it's always the, it's the end of history yeah yeah it's the end of history and, and and capitalism cannot be questioned it's it's we can't question the underlying core of our society and change it because that is off limits and so then people take that and they take that into media and they say well if you're changing the underlying um kind of ideas behind our media then you're trying to destroy the system because that's what i've been told in uh a societal sense. So they take that from the, from the the propaganda from the elites and they apply that and they say, well, all I can do, I can't change society. So at the very least I can uh, wallow in my self pity in this game, but they're trying to change that. And I don't want that. And I want everything to stay the same. And I want to be comfortable in my sadness and my loneliness. In a weird way though, that's almost a optimistic reading, at least in my opinion, because it implies that they recognise that there are ideological ideas behind the things they enjoy. But obviously, I mean, the whole fucking point of Gamergate was a massive tantrum about people drawing attention to the fact, you know, c- uh, cultural critics like Anisaki's doing some, you know, light criticism or analysis of, of their work and reacting with utter hatred that someone would have the fucking... The, the nerve to analyse their work and see that there was any sort of meaning behind it other than their basic sort of aesthetic enjoyment. I mean, what the fuck is that about? So, like, I accept your reading, you know, but in a weird way, I feel like it would be better if they accepted... They're not defending ideas, they're offending a feeling. Oh, I know, it's, it's going into your comfort space and kind of mucking, mucking things up, but I think that you're right in saying that, you know, always when people talk about politics and video games and how I don't, I want my games to be apolitical, they're always talking about left-leaning politics, or even, not even that, like, it's like explicit politics, because like, implicit politics, hmm. they don't understand that there could be implicit exactly. politics, like, no one talks about how Bioshock 2 uh, was just basically a huge critique on capitalism, or, uh... Like, yeah. all the COD campaigns were very political or something like that. No one talks about that. It's because it's politics that they agree with. It's it's politics that they agree with or they've just kind of – it's become so normalized in our own culture that it seems apolitical. Like, the, the yeah. hating of Muslims has just become so ingrained in American society that if a video game was just portraying Muslims as, like, screaming barbarians, you know, who are going to murder you no matter what you are, not, like, a people with a culture, feelings, and uh, an identity, it's like, oh, yeah, that's the normal. It's like, you know, that's not political, even though it's just, like, the most racist shit. And it just comes down to this um, this late stage of capitalism. It's like, we, we I mean, like, we give Gen X uh, shit about consumerism, but it's become the point of consumption as identity, where you can't, you can't critique the Marvel films because mm. that that it's it's their identity. I mean, like even if you like the Marvel films, like there's nothing you, you can like it and stuff. But people who don't aren't like even open to that. It's like it's be- critiquing the things that they like becomes a critique of them. Exactly. So, yeah. So which is why like which is why we need this podcast and why we need people discussing about this podcast. And we have other people, uh, obviously, get, like tons of more perspective and tons of uh, different opinions. But it's just like it needs to be critiqued. 
because like what none of this stuff is perfect and especially if it's coming from a capitalist society th- this stuff is definitely not going to come out good uh it's not going to come out perfect it's probably not even going to come out that woke or any manner and we just need to break that bubble we need people to let down the barrier of kind of like okay your your plastic miniatures i love my plastic miniatures i love my imperial fists my horse heresy i love all that stuff i spend way too much money on it it's not me i'm not the, i'm not the imperial fist it I am not what I consume. I am not what I buy. I'm a whole other person about that. But these people who've been giving nothing else in capitalism, especially late stage capitalism, who are just working jobs that they hate, um, who've been just fed these racist, misogynistic lies, uh, transphobic lies, they have nothing left. They have no personality unto themselves. They have no ideas unto themselves other than what they consume, they watch, they read, if they read at all. I think that's exactly true, and almost going back to the Gamergate thing, I think one of the biggest problems that we had with, um, just like, again, with with neoliberalism, it's this co-option of capitalism and social justice, where people believe that, well, if we just have a little bit more representation in our games, then everything will be fine, or like, we'll have, we'll, we'll do like, faux representation where it's just like we'll do like one thing we'll have like one gay character and it'll be explicitly gay and they'll be very stereotypical and somehow that'll be progressive but um and y'all people you know talking about this and railing on this but at the end of the day they're still trying to try to make money and i think that one of the biggest things that people don't look at gamergate for is the fact that people were railing against the hypocrisy in a lot of the journalists representation at least at least it was not necessarily Mm. perceived it was perceived it was not necessarily true i'm not necessarily saying it's true it doesn't matter whether it was true or not it was perceived to be hypocrisy and that's the whole reason yeah i mean yeah i mean there there, the, the problem is is that there is a legitimate claim and legitimate criticisms of the video game industry not even getting to the whole worker labor oh, yeah. union stuff yeah. not, not even getting to that like yeah like the neoliberal thing of kind of like this basic stuff but uh, the game i don't want i don't want this to become the gamergate topic but it i mean it wound up just being a front for a hate group and as an excuse to harass women and people yeah. of color for offering any change and like you said offering any change whatsoever and it basically was the source of yeah basically donald trump. like when we when we when the stories look back like they're gonna be like okay what's the st- beginning of donald trump's pe- presidency it's gamergate it's how uh innuendo Stud- studios a great bread tuber uh on there innuendo studios they have he has a wonderful series about gamergate and kind of talking about the origins of it uh how it's become a thing uh talking about the people who joined up to it kind of thought like oh yeah you know uh people taking bribes for good game reviews you know that's bad and how they kind of get sucked into this uh the algorithm of hate yeah uh, both innuendo studios and um uh folding ideas uh dan olson all all comrades uh you should check out the channels for other stuff but both of their videos really opened up my eyes to the monstrosity that Gamergate was because honestly I wasn't too into video games at that time uh, I wasn't paying too much attention to it at the time and I, I because I came from a place of privilege because I wasn't having to deal with being harassed by right-wing white chuds like these guys and if you aren't sure what Gamergate is like if you don't know like you're just kind of like oh what is that uh, uh, both of those channels uh, give a great synopsis on it and what it is um, well, I mean, I, Gamergate was, uh, I mean, for me, I was very young at the time, and I was actually pretty involved in that, unfortunately, just because of, I, I know what it was like to get sucked into it, and I know what it's like to kind of realize, okay, 
this is wrong. I don't want to be a part of this anymore and kind of leaving the movement and kind of seeing the flaws in it and kind of realizing what my actual grievances were. And I think that it was just because of the fact that, you know, I, as a kid, I, um, I went through, I, I, I got bullied a lot and I was always, you know, always kind of picked on and kind of the underclass. And so then the idea of people criticizing video games for being sexist and because video games were my escape, I identified that as they're saying I'm sexist and I've done nothing. And I'm like, I've done nothing wrong in my life. I've been persecuted my whole life. So I wanted to rise up against that. And that's the reason why I think Gamergate was especially dangerous for alt-right groups. Cause you get good meaning people and you get good, you get people who get sucked into it just because of it's their interest, their, their interests cross. Yeah. They're, they're, they they believe that they're trying to fight for, um, they're trying to defend their home. They're trying to defend where where they perceive to live, and even if um, you know, even if the critiques, even if uh, none of that is act- was actually true, or like there was any any legitimacy to any of the corruption going on in the journalism, just the idea of that was very galvanizing. And so you can get people behind that movement because it's like, look, uh, we're sick and tired of people telling us what to do. So therefore, we gotta. Um, or, or or people saying that this this is ruining video games. You've seen it. I've seen it. Quote quote unquote. So therefore, we should rise up against it. And I think that that was very galvanizing. It is one of the pivotal moments in the alt right because you see a lot of these people like Sargon rise to power. You see people um, just really hor- horrendous people start to gain clout and gain power because they realize that arguing against social justice because of the hypocrisy it has with capitalism, um, really gains traction. And I think that was one of the biggest things is like, even if it's, even if the people who were doing the journalism were not actually corrupt and that was all just BS, the fact that it was perceived to be that corruption and that sort of people in ivory towers looking down at video games and there are others, they're not actually involved in these video games. So therefore, we can uh we should be able to we need to get them out of our communities that hmm. sort of thing uh, okay um well uh, we're getting to the time that I kind of uh towards the end of it uh, i just want to ask uh alex and danny thank you so much for being on this i just have one last uh point that i want to discuss uh since we mentioned gamergate so we had, we had gamergate obviously in the early aughts and then kind of not too long after that when um eve l ewing took the reins of uh riri williams and uh, ironheart we kind of had almost like a comics gate, which was trying to start up. Well, that, but that, I mean, that lasted like a few months. We can't think of anything else besides naming things gate because of the Watergate Hotel. It's why. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the total lack of imagination of Western culture. Uh, well, there is no th- such thing as Western culture as like capital media. Anyways, um, so as we're kind of like Games Workshop is taking like even like the most faintest neoliberal change. Do we think that there's a chance of like a unoriginally named a Warhammer gate, a 40k gate, a sort of uh, alt-right undertaking or a hostage situation of the hobby? Because I – it's not a pleasant thought, but I'm just thinking like as we're kind of moving in, I do think that there's a real chance, especially if you just like watch the uh, the, the general Warhammer 40k subreddit uh, – Basically, mainly the general Warhammer subreddit or the 40k subreddit and obviously uh, Grimdank. Uh, you can see like reactionary politics in them just like to basic stuff like uh, 
like we shared on the uh, Sig Marxism, we were talking about how there's that one trooper who got the Imperial Eagle care package and he's talking about, oh, you know, let's let me purge some heretics. Let me purge some Xenos when he's talking about like real living brown people. Uh, I I think and my one of my concerns is, is like obviously like we should push for more diversity, we should push for more transgender people, more people of color, more women, non-gender binary, all that sort of stuff. But I do think that there's a real chance, especially in the 40K community, that we could get an alt-right takeover. And I don't think Games Workshop is prepared for it. I don't think Games Workshop is ready for it. And I think ultimately that they will submit to the alt-right needs rather than taking the moral approach because they ultimately don't have any actual values of their own and they're just pure capitalists. Exactly. I mean, this is the whole reason where we were talking about capitalism co-opting social justice and how that can be dangerous is just because they'll abandon those values the second they don't make any more money. And it's just going to make the movement just going to destroy it could destroy a lot of leftist momentum that we have right now. But I think also there is a light in the darkness because we have seen, especially like on Reddit, the memes and stuff have become more and more lefty. I've seen a lot of um, an encroachment. While there's been encroachment on the right, the the kind of strike back from the left has been much, much bigger and that's encouraging, at least for me, at least from my perspective. I don't know if you guys have seen anything like that, but I think that we do have a way forward. And I think that if we we can make a real, um, we can make we can we can we can stop something like that from happening if we just band together and basically just nip it in the butt the second it starts, and or even before it starts. Yeah, um, and in a way, you kind of almost have to think dialectically about this, where. <laughs> If we're if we're looking for the synthesis of um, of a positive community which in, infuses uh, like progressive values while also having elements of skepticism towards the fact that Game Workshop is a corporation, obviously until we nationalize it, I mean that is the obvious end goal. But anyway, that's that's for the future. That's Sig Marxism. That's a. Uh... I think that's going to become the new tagline of the podcast. Uh, welcome to the Sig Markson podcast, uh, Nationalized Games Workshop. Uh, anyways, here's Danny and Alex. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, not not to sound like a complete lib, but let, I'm going to be realistic and Blairite and compromise and say, Nationalized Games Workshop, but then do means testing for Forge World. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you think there's like, I mean, we, we always like, the, the alt-right loves the narrative of, this pushed me to the right, this pushed me to the right. Uh, and I do think... I don't think something actually pushes them to the right. I do think that these people have these underlying things. But, like, okay, if you were trying to convince ye old lib or ye old libertarian, you're like, okay, let's say Games Workshop comes up with a dream. They release female space marines. Uh, that's the new box set in June. Women space marines. Women, they retcon it. Women space marines have always been in. And that, start, that starts it. How would you describe it or try to talk about it when they event, when like if that would have happened, they would absolutely lose their shit. I just call them stupid. I mean, literally, you. Here's the thing. Like, I think people's. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. But I think that sometimes we can get so like into the the fact that if you just let these people talk and like go into the ether, they will eventually just say something so so incredibly stupid that they'll destroy themselves. Or at least that's my opinion. Like. Well, I think that's a bit too much faith in the people listening to them. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, here's my thing. Like, I think that once you start cens- censoring people and really start to clamp down and say, um, or not at least give a, if not 
like censoring them in the sense of just like not like having them yeah we're not discussing censoring them i'm just saying that like okay you know if what, what's the discussion you would have like you know you're at your local hobby store and everyone's grumbling you know like oh why are they adding these female space marines you know uh something something uh malore something something uh, uh testosterone i mean i mean if that happened with me i'd just be like that's kind of lame dude like you, you don't you just have to like make just them take them? a step well, yeah, that and just make them take a step back and just laugh at them because it's just really – if you look at it from, like, an outside perspective, it's just a really dumb thing. And I think that, you know, mockery – yeah, mockery and just kind of, like, making fun of it is probably the best way to go because they don't have a defense to it because fascism thrives off – and, you know, right-wing ideology thrives off a of mega-serious – mega um dour worldview where everything is an existential conflict and everything is is just this ultra seriousness and if you just say what you're complaining about women in your fantasy game whoopty fucking do they have no defense against that that what are they going to argue that warhammer is in fact um a integral part of the underpinnings of human society they can't say that (laughs) this is the western culture we're trying to protect (laughs) yeah this this is this is the west this is what we're talking about games workshop it's not uh, anything else gw is the west i mean but 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 seriously like i do think it's um important to mention that in a lot of at least this is my experience in games workshop and hobby stores there is an effort to keep things apolitical which is not an inherently good thing because what that generally means is not drawing attention to the to the things which are within the realm of, of accepted discourse, but are kind of reactionary. And you're not allowed to challenge. So what we should think about doing is pushing the Overton window left, but then keep, but understanding that capitalist, you know, corporation that GW is, and the, the surrounding culture is likely to want to keep things apolitical. We just need to redefine what apolitical is to the left. And that is our mm-hmm. state. Hmm. Yeah, and apolitical to the general warhammer community i mean because like everyone's had the warhammer satire conversation slash debate to death like like nobody wants to have that discussion no one wants to have that debate uh we'll do it eventually because we're masochists and we hate ourselves but um exactly <laughs> we've all got thousand word takes on this you know it's yeah this this will be our that'll be our six that'll be our 24 hour uh episode where we just have rotating guests uh we all have like pee bags and stuff because we, we can't stop posting uh no but seriously uh i think yeah this is just kind of like a changing of the discourse even in general not even just warhammer um realizing that things are political because because the thing you're not going to be able to change the minds of the right-wing chuds who like who will always say you know oh diehard's an apolitical film predators an apolitical film Uh, there's no politics no things you'll never change those minds it's it's clear just to leave those guys alone but uh, coming from experience as somebody who did have like shitty right-wing views i feel that kind of like as white men especially millennials of kind of thing we're definitely in a safer position to push the discourse left versus like you know if like a woman or a person of color is trying to do it they're it's like, other oh, than, yeah yeah they're other yeah, yeah they're, they're you're forcing this down my throat uh you know it's like you're not looking at this from my perspective etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean like we can start doing that stuff and they may just go like oh you're a lip cup okay then it's like all right give them the finger and you know kick them in the nuts uh when they do that but I, I do, but there is a cr- a credence when white people, especially white men, say to other white men, it's kind of like, "Hey, no, this is a legitimate thing. Uh, we need to be careful of like how this portrays the women, how this portrays to transgender or non-binary people, how this portrays the people of color." 
Uh, And I do think our word, we have that level of privilege. And I think it's important that we, at least our group, obviously, not everyone who's listening, maybe uh, within our demographic, uh, to use that, utilize that privilege to help people and to help the community grow into a better direction. Yeah, and obviously we'd very much welcome any sort of voices outside of our own to to get involved because obviously like we're we're a group of yeah. guys. And, yeah. yeah, we're we're a group of white cis men. Uh, so, uh, I don't know if we're all straight, but yeah, we're all, we're all for you know uh, sexual equality too. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's important to we go to that. Um, Why don't we end without? Without any sort of debate, we can maybe save this for next time. Uh, saying what your favorite chaos god is and your least favorite, and then we have to stop. It'll be a nice cliffhanger for for the fans, which I'm sure we've acquired by now. Oh yeah, we, yeah. The patron money's already coming in. Uh, Rich, uh, how are we doing on that patron money? Oh, we're we're we're, we're going against Chapo. All right, all right. Okay, I can yeah. stop Ch- eating ketchup packets under the bridge now. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have to make a. Uh... What's that? I don't have to make a sandwich and hot dog uh, sandwiches anymore with a, with a toaster oven. Uh, Alex, I'll start with you. I'll just uh, I'll, I'll close it out. So, best chaos god, obviously Snesh, and then worst is Corn because Corn is corporate. Corn is corporate. This this is this is the debate that'll tear the left apart. The the corn corporate versus the corn of the will of the people. Okay. Anyways, Danny. Ooh, I I I, I don't know. I want to say so. I think I think let's all agree that um, as a, a member of the Cat Girl Imperative, I have to say Slanesh is the best. Unfortunately, you know, I just gotta I gotta say that I can't I can't go against that. Now I will I will take a hot take and say that Corn is not the most corporate god. That is in fact um, the means testing. No, it's actually the means testing of Tisniche. He's the most Ooh, corporate libertarian god. choice. Oh, yeah. okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he's okay. just always means testing like all his schemes and just really complicated stuff. To answers to simple solutions. You know, that's that's my opinion. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> that's funny enough because I was going to say the most uh, my favorite one was Azinch because he's always about change, always about revolution. Maybe not always good, but changing away from capitalism is better than the stagnation of ca- of uh, capitalism of Nurgle. Nurgle's like uh, keeping the system as it is. Though he does kill the the rich with his diseases, though, so I'll, I'll give him that. Civility wins. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, rich is currently having a, a stroke. <laughs> so this has been the Sig Marxism po- podcast. I've been joined by Danny. Uh, I've been joined by Alex, and this is all thanks to the help of uh, Rich. Thank you again for all the technical help and support you can get. Uh, also, too, just if you are interested and you like love this stuff and you love this content, please feel free to check out uh, Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash sigmarxism. HTTP slash www. Uh, feel free for genuine think, think pieces, uh, some discussions about who's the most communist. Uh, I'm sure Rich is going to make a post uh, disowning and canceling me because I said <laughs> Nurgle, Nur- Nurgle's the most one. I'm going to I'm, I'm canceled from here on out. Uh, Danny's the new Head of the sub. Anyways, oh uh, hell yeah! Feel feel free, feel free to ship post uh, post memes, and if you are interested, uh, feel free to message Leon Grotsky to join the Discord and have a conversation with us. And if you'd be interested in joining the podcast, let us know. This has been Sig Marxism Podcast, Nationalized Games Workshop, and we need female space marines. Bye.
going pretty well. 